Greetings and salutations, and welcome to another edition of Radio Book Club, KZMU Radio Book Club. And I am one of your hosts this evening, Sherry Zollinger from Back of Beyond Books. And I am joined this evening with, I'm joined by, I'm joined, yes, I think that's it, um, with Jesse from the, the Grand County Public Library. Jesse, welcome. Hello, everyone. And I am also joined, uh, Andy from Back of Beyond Books is also joining us this evening. Andy, welcome. Happy New Year's, everyone. Yes, we are doing the first KZMU Book Club of 2021. I think we're happy to say that we are now in 2021. What does everyone think about that? Yep, onward and upward. Onward and upward. Hopefully turning a corner here. Before we get everything rolling, I did want to say something. You know, the other day I heard that whatever you do the first day of 2021, so given, you know, whatever activities you do, whatever things you sort of end up doing that day, sets the tone for the rest of the year. Really? So Hmm. I know. So I was sort of thinking as we usher in our first KZMU book club of 2021, if you can think of the book, the first book you read of 2021, which is only a couple of days old. So (laughs) (laughs) and A, do you think, well, A, what was the book or is the book that you read or did you or have you? And then B, what do you think it means for the rest of the, your reading year? Wow. I'm putting you both this on the spot. This is like a fortune cookie. Yes. I'm putting you both on the spot before we even begin the rest of our program. What do you think, Andy? Well, the book that I was reading and am reading, uh, the first book of the year, is so far out of my <laughs> wheelhouse that I'm really kind of concerned about the rest of the year. <laughs> And where I'm going. See? <laughs> the, the book is is titled The Fabric of Civilization. Okay. And that's a literal title. Talking the fabric about of the history of fabrics. It's uh, How Textiles Made the World. And it is not a book I ever would have picked up, except that someone had ordered a copy at the store. I looked at it. I looked at the back cover, and you know those little blurbs? Mm-hmm. In this case, it grabbed me, plus the beautiful front cover grabbed me. The topic, eh, fabric. And yet, there is so much about fabric changing world history, whether it's agriculture or medicine or inventions, uh, migrations of peoples, the the why we have what fabrics we have has altered the world or vice versa. Mm. And so I actually have found it absolutely riveting and fascinating. Literally the fabric. Literally. Of civilization. Yeah, yeah. There's a little anecdotal story I might tell later about my sister and fabric that, oh, yes. Okay, let That's us. That's on my list. Shall <laughs> we, say, shall we stay, say we will stay tuned to this theme? These we two are going to be a, okay. a twofer, so we can come back let's around come back. and talk about modern fabric yes. as well. Yes, let's come back around Perfect. to that. I love that. I, I keep thinking, I'm now having visions of Andy 
suddenly buying a sewing machine and quilting, quilting, quilting. Um, perhaps yes. even knitting. Mm. You know might that be was it. all in my DNA. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. your your mom. I used to do. I I did needlepoint. Really. But that was when I was eight, <laughs> and I haven't taken it up since then. Interesting. But you never know. It, it may be coming. I love it. Jesse, did I put you on the spot enough here well, to... Well, I, I read a bit this weekend, so I had to think back. What was I doing New Year's morning? I said, yes. after sleeping in absurdly late. Yes. Uh, thanks, Andy. Um, I, with my coffee that morning, I picked up a book new to the library, it is a, a kid's graphic novel called Wolf Walkers, and it is the graphic novel adaptation of a, an Irish um, animated film that just came out, and I absolutely love these filmmakers. They previously done, did one called The Secret of Kells, mm-hmm. and it was a story around the Book of Kells and the monks <clears throat> and also the pagan influences that... Um, that um, uh, that were around the, the creation and the protection of the Book of Kells. And they also did one called Song of the Sea that was absolutely exquisite. Um, these are nothing like uh, American animated films. The artwork is just exquisitely beautiful, and they're just fun and intelligent and interesting and slices of history you might not get otherwise. So um, I don't subscribe to the streaming service uh, that the Wolf Walkers movie is currently out on. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to wait a while to see it. But the graphic novel was wonderful. It's about um, a little girl and her father who come to a town in Ireland with Lord Cromwell. And they are tasked with slaying, cutting down all of the forests to get rid of all of the pagans um, to usher in Christianity and also slaying all of the wolves. And at the same time, they're killing all of these people that are half wolf, half human. They're human during the day, and then they turn into wolf that night. They also have healing powers. And in the beginning of the story, this um, this young English girl disobeys her father's orders and leaves the town walls and wanders in the forest with her, her pet hawk. And uh, they have a little misadventure, and this wild, feral girl uh, saves her, and um, it's it's a wolf, one of the last wolf walkers, this little girl. So these two become friends. It's a lovely story about um, defying convention for love and for friendship, and uh, the strength, the strength of friendship and embracing um, people that are different. Nice. You. Uh, so that's what I did on New Year's uh, morning, oh. New Year's Day morning. Uh, was read the Wolf Walkers. I'm not sure how that yes. portends. What for does the that portend? I guess I'll have to. We'll have to stay tuned. And find we out. will. I I will be checking in through the year. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely love to read children's graphic novel and adult graphic novels. Totally. A great deal. So this is not that far out of my usual uh, bailiwick or wheelhouse, as Andy says. The but first. Oh, go yeah, ahead, Sherry, Andy. Yeah. yeah. Yes. You're the, the third of the triumphant here. I am. And I actually, when I hadn't read anything until this, I guess it was the second, which was two days ago or the third. Was it yesterday? Uh, and I was restoring my house as we do after the holidays. If If you had any kind of party aspect going on in your house. Um, I didn't have a big one. I will say that to everyone out there. 
But my, my house still got a little bit uh, messed up. So as I was restoring my house, I thought, you know, what am I in the mood for to listen to while I'm doing this? And I queued up Just Kids mm. by Patti Smith. And, you know, I, of course, I've read that and read it a couple of times. And, and I forget. And I also forget what her voice is like. I love her voice in that New York. Oh, and she's got that New Jersey piece that, and just the way she kind of truncates her words and her sentences, like a piano turns into a piano. Piano. You know, and everything is I dig. And, you know, sort of she has that lingo. It's so her. It is so her. And then also it, Every time I kind of pick up the little little pieces, and this particular one was, of course, Just Kids is about her meeting Robert Maplethorpe in the late 60s, 68, 69, summer of love, so to speak, becoming actual, actually, they did become lovers, but then, of course, became, they had a lifelong love affair, really. Um, it, you know, it, it stopped being a romantic relationship, but... This was the the beginnings of their um, of their connection, and at one point they moved into the Chelsea Hotel. I love those those excerpts those of the Chelsea the, and the, yeah, the scene. Those are the and you know she met so many people and to do a memoir that is so star studded hmm. without a lot of ego is not easy. You know to just keep dropping those names. Let you know, like Led Zeppelin. I mean, it just every single person she meets it, it sort of gives her this advice, or you know, almost matter of fact, though. Yes, you know, Robert Plant walked by this afternoon, and, yep. and we just glanced at each other and, and moved on. Yes, that's exactly what it was, and and it it also gave me a little more insight this time into her relationship with Maplethorpe. So I did end up going into a kind of a Maplethorpe rabbit hole as well um, to kind of see his evolution and how where he ended up uh, in the 80s with his photography. And so it was a kind of a dual just kids and then documentary. Um, I, what's it called? My Life in Pictures, I think, is what the documentary is called. And that was good, too, because it kind of takes off from, in some ways, where Patty left off with their, uh, with their relationship. So that set the tone for my 2021. 20, it, it was a good, good little setting, I think. <laughs> so I've, I've, I've kind of gone ahead to come back a little bit. Usually we'll start these with just looking at the news from both our respective organizations, uh, the bookstore and the library. Jesse, let's start with you. What's new at the library? We are very excited. Today we just launched um, our first time ever winter reading program. We have four different reading challenges for all ages. There's one for adults, one for teens, one for children, and one for like a read to me um, challenge for babies and toddlers or caregivers or parents. and uh, you can find details on the library's website, www.moablibrary.org. You can give us a call. We have this really fun online platform called Beanstack um, 
that you can log your reading time and uh, you get to unlock these cute little virtual badges as you log your reading time. It's a lot more laid back and relaxed than our summer reading programs are. But you do get a little prize for um, everybody that registers, um, gets a, a coupon for a free hot chocolate at Lops Pop Stop. And there are other, a few other incentives as well. And if you read a certain amount of time in the month of January and February, you will get um, completion prizes as well. Um, so again, our winter reading challenges for all ages just starts today. You guys can register anytime. You don't have to register today, but this is when it starts. And um, you're reading anyway, right? It's yes. winter, it's cold, we're not socializing a lot. Why not? Uh, why not uh, throw some throw some incentives at it and uh, have some fun along the way. And Beanstack is really, really easy. It's very user friendly. Um, we have had no reported issues with it. It seems to be working really well. So we're excited about our winter reading challenges. Again, you can go to the library's website or give us a call also to find out more about that. Do you want to mention um, the library will be closed for Martin Luther King Jr. Day. That's going to be Monday, January 18th. We're going to um, be closed uh, that day and be back um, 9 a.m. that Tuesday morning. Excellent. And yeah, there are some kids programs um, going on. The website has easy links to all of that. There are take and make bags with really fun little craft kits for um, different ages of kids, too. You guys can find out about that and use curbside pickup um, to grab those for your kiddos. Um, I have one question, Jesse. We had a couple come in a, a little while back, an older couple, and they were, she, her eyes were starting to fail, and they had no idea how to access the, you know, she, she didn't really know how to access the audio, kind of the audio programming, the mm. audio books. Mm. Can you tell us a little bit about um, how you get those over there at the library? Yeah, so there are two ways to go about that. We have um, we have audiobooks on CD and also little MP3 players that have one, you know, dedicated one book on them um, as well. New ones coming in all the time. Okay. So people can either go online and place holds for themselves and use curbside to pick up. They can also make an appointment to come into the library for a short visit on a weekday and browse those shelves themselves. And then additionally, the library has access, uh, anyone with a library card has free access to thousands and thousands of ebooks and e-audiobooks um, uh, through OverDrive uh, through our library website. And um, that is just a wonderful service. There are um, thousands and thousands and thousands of titles. And we get new, they, you know, they added new hot stuff all the time. It's a consortium we share with other libraries around the state. Sometimes there's a waiting list for really hot items um, but your moab library actually t keeps an eye on the ones that are really have really long holds uh weights and will will make special purchases that um only people with moab library cards can access so oh, that, i love it that cuts that down quite a bit cool. often so yeah, yeah i think that's, that's a, a great question good thing for thank you for our folks to know out there jesse what are those little mp3 yes. players called i was racking my brain those are called playaways playaways, playaways. Yeah. We, we were i was trying, trying to, to describe it. to this customer and i 
They mm-hmm. are so nifty. Yeah, it's I about the size of a credit card. It comes yeah. with a little lanyard, and mm-hmm. you pop in your own, uh, I think it's a AAA batteries, mm-hmm. and your own earbuds, but the library can, can sell those to you if you um, are... Yeah, mm-hmm. or provide those for you um, if you need them. And you can hang them around your neck, put it in your pocket. They're great for, like, house cleaning, like you were talking yes. about listening to your audiobook while you were cleaning up your house. Um, I used to have a housekeeping job, and I would just wear that, wear one of those, and mm-hmm. have stories wherever I went. Yep. And they're really simple and nifty. And the audio quality has improved a lot in the last few years, I have to say. <laughs> it, it felt like, you know, steering this couple to all of this new material that's out there was almost like giving her a new lease on her reading life. It was wow. That is yeah. I mean, she really in her head did not realize, you know, that, and had no idea yet how that's a world that can open up to you. And, and, you know, it's just sort of moving from that reading to that audio. And there's a little bit of a transition there. I think if you aren't used to Uh listening to a book, but Uh someday we should interview Eve Passeltiner. Uh, many of you remember Eve, who used to live here and still owns a home here, but she's now doing audiobook production oh, really? as a reader. Wow! It'd be kind of nice. fun to to hear her side of the production of an audiobook and and the engineering That's of it, and what goes idea. into it. Yeah, because yeah. it's always nice to listen to the reader before you. Sometimes oh, they can make you, or break they a book. can. Yeah, they can, and they've got to get rid of all those ums and ahs and you knows and. <laughs> things we all do. <laughs> Andy, what is new at Back of Beyond Books? Well, I want to highlight our Books for Tots program. This is, I think, the 14th year that, that the bookstore, either Arches Book Company or Back of Beyond, has done Books for Tots. And for those listeners who may not be familiar, it's a program where the bookstore, in coordination with the area librarians, of schools and other nonprofits like Youth Garden Project and Beacon After School. They choose books, which we then order in, and then invite the community members to come in and uh, purchase these books, in turn donating them to these schools. And every year we we advertise and, and go through the process, and it's a favorite program of ours. This year, something remarkable happened. We brought in 320 books. And by December 16th, every book had been purchased. We've never, this has never happened before. Mm-hmm. By, so we put another 20 out. By December 20th, the additional 20 books had been purchased. And by the end of the year, we had a little over $3,000 in donated monies above and beyond those 320 books. Mm-hmm. And one of the school librarians, who I won't name, mentioned, I mean, she is almost crying. She said, my budget for new acquisitions this year was zero. Mm. And every new book into my library this year has come from donated books from Books for Tots. So we're going to take this $3,000 and divide it up amongst the eight organizations and give them uh, $400 gift cards so they can use those monies throughout the year and it just in this year of difficulty i think the community's generosity just shone shined it it both are correct and it just made me feel optimistic again wow 
Indeed. Amazing. Wow, that's so great. Yeah. Let's see, anything else of note at Back of Beyond? We have no events no. scheduled, virtual or otherwise. Uh, we will be closed, I think, at least one day for an inventory, but that will be uh, posted at some point. Just settling into the winter now. Yes. Excellent. All right. Well, why don't we think about moving on to our indie bestseller lists for this week? Anything, Jesse, did you read anything on the fiction, the nonfiction? Nothing new. Yeah. I've read a couple of these. Um, the 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 one that I um, usually download and pay attention to mm -hmm. is hardback uh, fiction and yep. nonfiction. The top fifteen. Every item on here had was not new this week. Exactly. Um, heavens, not even new this month. Most of them, which is great. So, some of these books have been on there for absolutely forever, which is just really speaks to their power. Um, I did read Transcendent Kingdom by Yag Yossi. Oh, that tell was us about remarkable. that. It's been some months now since okay. I've read it. But I remember her writing being so fluid. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, uh, it's the whole lineage of this family from, from villagers in Africa being taken as slaves. Some of them, in fact, two sisters who don't realize they're sisters at that point. Um, their stories diverge and re, and and then all their descendants tell stories, um, and then reconverge in America, and they figure out like this. This woman became basically a, a queen or a princess mm -hmm. in Africa. She married, um, married well, while her sister, unbeknownst to her, was right underneath her in that castle dungeon, being waited, waiting to be taken as a on a slave ship to the Americas. Mm. Um, it goes on. Um, it's it's you know some of the some of this topic, <clears throat> this the subject matter is painful, for sure. But sh it's not written bitterly. It's written straightforwardly, but just lyrically and fluidly. I just found her writing a real. Um, a real pleasure. Now, I actually made a mistake. I am talking about her previous book, Transcendent Kingdom. Okay. Were you talking read. about yes. Homegoing? Yes. I was I'm like, that's, about, that that's, really sounds like Homegoing. That Homegoing. I beg your pardon. That's the same author, and I read her previous book, Homegoing. So Transcendent Kingdom is a much different story. And did have you read Transcendent Kingdom? No, but it's okay. definitely on my list. So, um, yeah, yeah, that takes place. That's a second-generation uh, immigrant living in Florida, I believe. Mm -hmm. she, her mother's a real serious evangelical Christian and uh, this young woman growing up to find her own path in life, I believe. Um, I can, just just having read her previous book, I can tell you, um, and the fact, the staying power that this book has had on the bestseller Absolutely. list with the literati. It's definitely um, one of Andy's faves as well. Good. Oh, good. You've read it, Andy. Yes. Oh, well, why don't you tell us about no, it? No, the uh, Homegoing. Home oh, Homegoing. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, this week I've had, Something hit, and people are reading The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue mm -hmm. by V.E. Schwab. Mm -hmm. I don't know what happened. I had three or four people just randomly text or send me a message saying, you've got to read this. Hmm. So I haven't read it yet, but I do want to give the little blurb. Um, this is The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue. It's actually on the hardcover fiction bestsellers list. In the 1700s, Jesse, have you read this? 
No, not okay, yet. All I right. read one I of her previous, yes. but not this one. In the 1700s, Addie LaRue makes a deal with the devil. She will live forever, although her immortality comes with the curse of being forgotten <laughs> by hmm. everyone. Hmm. Addie moves from th- moves through time and across continents. She learns to survive and even leave her mark on the world. Then one day she meets a man in a bookstore who remembers her name and suddenly everything changes. This deeply satisfying and cinematic novel. I thought that was kind of oh. interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, when Is that a ploy for oh, uh, I know. a movie contract? Mm-hmm. Yeah. At this point, absolutely. <laughs> rivals contemporary class, the contemporary classic The Time Traveler's Wife in concept and scope. I thought that was interesting. Kind of like that idea. She sort of could live forever, but no one remembered her. And then this whole kind of ma- this sci- this fantasy idea that your name is your power, you know. So she's yeah. sort of bringing that through. Well, Andy, anything from those lists? I know. Are you still working on Promised Land at all? I've set that aside. Okay. I think I will Barack continue Obama's. that mm-hmm. uh, over time. Have. <laughs> Sherry and I have this inside joke about Matthew McConaughey being on the bestseller <laughs> list. <Yeah. laughs> and, you know, we all know him as, as a bit of eye candy on, <laughs> on the movies. What, what, what do we know? know? I know nothing about the book. I've, I've resisted even picking it up. And yet it, too, has stayed on the bestseller list. So there's something there. You know, it's interesting. I had a conversation, oh, I can't remember who it was, who actually had read it and said it was better than you thought you think. Well, the bar maybe was a little low. Yeah, and then they also compared it, and this is funny, there might be a low bar here, but I'm not a book snob at all, but Demi Moore's, um, her, uh, compared it to her uh, biography, her her memoir. Memoir. And they said that one was surprisingly good as well. I remember hearing that about Demi Moore's yeah. biography. Yeah. And then the Dolly Parton book was impossible for us to get. Yep. Still haven't and gotten it. That wasn't a memoir, but um, Dolly certainly has has branched out in terms of literature, and there's three or four books about her. Yep. Uh, right now on the shelves. Are we talking about She Come By It Natural or uh-huh. the, song uh, the, the Song Teller? The Song Teller. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. still haven't been able to get that one wow. back in. Wow. Um, that one definitely went through the holidays without uh, refilling, so to speak. Hmm. That's great. You know, what about Sapiens? It's really interesting. Uh, Sapiens, of course, has come back to the paperback non-fiction bestseller list, but so has the graphic novel right that just came in we well, just can got we call that it a novel though today. it's really not yeah that's a, true it's not it's a, a novelization graphic, it's a well okay what do you hey do you officially call a non-fiction because we have a lot of non-fiction graphic it, it's, it's not, not a, gra- a novel that's tricky so I'll that's a really you, good question in the, in the library and this drives many people crazy <laughs> we catalog and put all the graphic novels whether they're wild fantasy or you know or a, a gra- graphicization if you will of a nonfiction book they're all in the same area which is the, the seven seven forty one point five, which is the mm-hmm. sort of smack in the middle of the arts um 
And uh, yeah, so so putting um, you know putting Dune in nonfiction or you know the graphic novel of Dune in nonfiction right. is a little a little strange, but right. it's uh, it's but considered an art form within Dewey Decimal. So it's within the art oh, section. Oh, that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I don't have to worry about where to put that one on the shelf. I do have to defend <laughs> defend myself sometimes when people are like, "What do you mean this is in nonfiction? <laughs> it's got elves and dragons and stuff." For the first time in a while, uh, braiding sweetgrass has been demoted mm. a couple down to number three. Number one in trade pack, trade paperback nonfiction is uh, my own words, Bader Ginsburg. Mm. Of course, second, the truths we hold, Kamala Harris. Uh, then braiding sweetgrass, and we get to Sapiens, and on down there from there. Um, National Book Award uh, Fiction, Paperback Fiction, Interior Chinatown by Charles Yu. I can actually say that because I can speak Chinese. (laughs) 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 And then I also wanted to mention the the best of, the short stories, uh, the food writing. Travel. Travel. Women's travel. Those, Mm -hmm. Those are good collections. They really are. Yeah, those are, are wonderful ways to introduce yourselves to uh, either established authors or, or exactly. up-and-coming authors. And because they're, they're anthologies, you know you're not going to be devoting a week. You can devote a toilet session to one or a pre-bedtime session to another. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, love, I love those anthologies. And they're so well edited. The editors are always top-notch within their own fields. Yes, exactly. In fact, uh, one of my favorites is the best women adventure writing. Um, and Lavinia Spalding is this year's editor. And Lavinia is Blake Spalding's sister from Hell's Backbone Grill. Love and I meant to bring that book with me tonight. Uh, just didn't didn't pick it up. Yeah, that's great. Someone mentioned Dune and the novelization of or the uh, graphic, graphic novelization of that. There's a trivia question of the top forty best-selling books at Back of Beyond Books this year. How many were fiction? I know this already. You do, and you came the closest to anyone <laughs> to answering it correctly. Yeah, and I read your newsletter today. So <laughs> but That's it, amazing. It always surprises me uh, how few fictional titles yeah. make our bestsellers list. Monkey Wrench Gang, number two, Overstory, Overstory. Richard Powers, and then Dune was yeah. 32nd or something like that. But, you know, Dune was published, what, in the slate? 60s, Early 70s. 70s, yeah. yeah. And because of the, the idea that this next movie is coming out has really sparked a lot of interest. Yes. The PR folks have done a masterful job, and then they delayed it, and so now more people are, yes. their, their appetites are whetted. And so Dune and its sequels are doing well, extremely well. On the mass market bestsellers, they bookend each other. So number one is, of course, Dune, the, the first the Dune. And then the, the last one in that list is Dune Messiah, which is the second. And I've actually been having some interesting conversations with folks because, um, you know, they're, they're told to read that first one and they pretty much stop there. But because of this interest, people are actually starting to buy down the series. They're getting, you know, they're like, okay, let's go to Messiah. And I tell them it's worth it's worth moving on because you go through millennia with this series, 
and don't realize, you know, how far out it actually goes. So cool. Is there anything else on there that we'd like to maybe mention or talk about? Looks like... Um, has anyone read, have either of you guys read um, the new Matt Haig, The Midnight Library? That's one I cannot, I can't get my hands on because the holds list is always so steady and I almost mm. always defer. Same, that's similarly uh, The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue I haven't read yet because it's just always on hold. Hamnet, same thing, I've not read yep. that uh, Maggie O'Farrell. But um, I'm excited to read The Midnight Library. The setup sounds interesting. Have you read it? Nope. I have not have either. not read it. Nope. Um, the, let's see, I was just looking at wintering, and oh, that's yeah. one I did want to mention. I know that uh, Andy knows a little bit about this one. It's called Wintering, the Power of Rest and Retreat in Difficult Times by Catherine May. It's on the hardcover nonfiction bestseller list right next to Michelle Obama, and then bookended over by uh, Jerry Seinfeld, <laughs> but yeah, it's a book you know, on on uh, love and loss yeah. and um, trying to figure out how to move on with your life. But it also has a lot of subtext of kind of relating to the quarantine that we're finding ourselves in, where you you hole up and you you retreat. And um, it's got a beautiful cover too. And mm. I'm a sucker for mm -hmm. for art it's design beautiful. And, and beautiful covers. Yeah. But um, I offered it to Marcy, and, and she really did enjoy it. And I think, again, within context of where we are as a people right now, that yes. wintering spoke to her in a very strong way. Cool. It's a British author, uh, and she went through quite a bit of loss mm. and recovery. Excellent. Well, my friends, let I'd like to loop in the fabric of civilization uh -huh. real quick and come back to that andy i'll give you this anecdote and my sister may not speak to me for a couple of days <laughs> but when we were very young uh, we slept in the same bed and i asked her i said hey what do you think about right before you go to sleep and she said material and i was kind of like okay and uh and she literally, she was like five, and she said, I think of bolts and bolts of material. And then, of course, she asked me, and I said, oh, I, I, I think of Raggedy Ann. <laughs> 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 now, if that portended anything, I'm not going to give too much away. <laughs> but, um, Andy, what other book do you have slated, uh, slated to well, show us here? As a bookend to the fabric of civilization, which is how textiles made the world, we just brought in another book, which I'm holding up, and I know I don't have a, <laughs> an audience looking at this other than you two, but Modern Fabric, 25 Designers and Their Inspiration and Craft. And indeed, Holly Zollinger, uh, sleeping, dreaming about fabrics has <laughs> come to fruition because she is one She's of the, the 25 modern designers yes. who is are designing a cutting edge fabric, fabric, yep. and and designs of fabrics, and it's a beautiful book, and it too is uh, one that you can just pick up, put down because it, there's 25 of these, and yet some of the work of these independent 
designers is just fabulous. Beautiful. And I just, I'm not an artist. And so Mm. when I see these art books and see the inspiration that these artists are putting into their work, I'm just enthralled with it. Yeah. And it makes me just want to not design fabric, but you know (laughs) what? Who knows? Who knows? It makes me want to, and you're going to laugh, but collect wallpaper wallpaper sample books from the 19th century Mm. because so much of holly's work reminds me of early designed wallpapers and you can like william morris like the the well he's really really busy he is where my aesthetic is simpler yes in terms of uh wallpaper and these designs were also used for covers of books and end mm. papers of books mm-hmm. especially totally and they were they were called paste paste paper i think it was and it's a very homegrown homemade aesthetic and i wish i had examples to show you all mm. but wallpaper design sample books are a thing yes they're highly collectible and i would think holly probably has yes some of them in fact she even designs wallpaper <laughs> so, so. Oh, that, yeah. that makes sense in looking at her yes. designs within this book yes so this is modern fabric 25 designers and their inspiration and craft by amy gilchrist amelia Poole, and holly zollinger moab's own Yay. holly zollinger Excellent. Sister of Sherry (laughs) (laughs) and bedmate uh, (laughs) and dreamer. And sister of another one, too, named Natalie. Okay, Jesse, I'm excited. I'm looking at your stack. I'm loving everything I'm looking on there, that I'm seeing on there. So what are you going to tell us about today? Well, I'm going to start with the book that's not actually in the pile. Okay. (laughs) It was on hold for somebody else, so (laughs) I returned it to the library. I had the pleasure of reading snow by john banville Mm. and um he also he writes also as benjamin black he the uh the dr quirk mystery novels um and oddly dr quirk although he's writing his john banville's writing under this other you know his other name for this he actually does mention dr quirk uh in this novel i think it might be the only connection but snow is a it's a murder mystery set in an English manor in the 50s, I want to say late 50s, um, way out in the countryside. Um, and uh, there are some dark themes um, for sure, but his writing was is such, it's such a pleasure. Um, it's a very classic detective murder mystery in a lot of ways, although it deals with... Um, abuse within the Catholic Church is a, is a, a factor in, in this mystery. And I'm not spoiling anything that's going to become uh, obvious right away when you pick up this book. But he is such a, his describing the scenes he describes so vividly and so perfectly. Um, I remember particularly being transported to the smell and feel, feel of a snowy forest. This, this uh, police inspector is walking around, tramping around in the, the woods surrounding this manor, and he's trying to get get the lay of the land and um the cold the smell of Mm -hmm. cold the smell of cold pine needles the feeling of borrowed wellington boots and your socks won't stay up inside (laughs) and your there's a tiny hole in the boots so your socks get damp and just every little detail um was just was just so perfectly rendered wood smoke on the cold air 
uh, and he's really funny too. Um, <laughs> there are some, as I said, there are some dark themes in this story to be sure, and some disturbing, you know, some disturbing scenes. Um, but I wouldn't say it's um, horrible that way. It's not going to, I don't think, horrify any delicate sensibilities. Um, in fact, it felt very, it felt a little classic English murder mystery to me mm. in a lot of ways but um they're pretty funny too uh here's a great description of this uh jolly innkeeper <laughs> in this tiny town in um they're in ireland um it says jeremiah wreck appeared he wore baggy corduroy trousers and a pair of carpet slippers that looked like identical dead cats and a <laughs> jumper with moth holes in it <laughs> slippers that. that looked like identical dead cats <laughs> I, I can <laughs> recall the slippers that look oh, like that, actually. It's just so evocative. Um, there's also a police detective that shows up with this extremely oddly shaped head, and, and everybody that looks at him like does this like double take and then really tries hard not to look at him after that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> he described as a, having a huge, huge round head, but with an extremely flat top, and he wears his hair in a slicked back bouffant in a vain effort to disguise it. <laughs> <laughs> Detective Inspector Strafford, it says, had long ago learned not to let his gaze stray higher than Jenkins' hairline. It really was a remarkable head. <laughs> 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 oh, I love it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Snow was a pleasure to read. Um, by it, who again? It is Jesse? by John Banville. Excellent. Some of you might know him as Benjamin Black. Uh, anything I've read by him is just top notch. Mm, love it. Yeah. Yeah, we have that one face out. In Good. The oh, it's a be another beautiful cover. Oh, yes. You know, um, I'm, I'm going to talk about it. Just a really small, maybe sleeper novel. I always like to, uh, I like it when couples or partners or people that are connected in those ways end up writing and, you know, I, I, I end up liking to sort of see, say, a, a couple that are married or they're, they're together for some time and they're both writing and they have maybe different styles or genres and, and I always like to kind of read about their relationship, you know, as literary, their connection literarily and and how their their process of both being writers in one particular you know um relate in a in a relationship uh but i you know ha have you ever read Kanasgard Carl Kanasgard either one of you he's done quite a quite a bit of autobiographical um he's got a set of i think 5 um and have have you have you ever picked those up? To I've skimmed around, them? Mm -hmm. skimmed around in them, but no, I, yeah. I sure haven't. From Sweden, mm -hmm. um, actually Norway, and then moved to Sweden. Mm -hmm. And I've I've toyed with him, and every time I kind of start rolling, uh, just something I don't know, something steers me away from uh, his work. Although all my brothers have read all of them and love them, so it's kind of interesting to to see uh, who likes those and who doesn't. But I actually picked up his ex-wife. Uh, her name is Linda Bostrom, and I'm probably not going to say this well, but Linda Bostrom Kanasgard. She's now written two, but her first one, very thin uh, little book um, called Welcome to America. And she's a poet, and so, but this isn't a book of poetry. It's a, it's a short, small novel, beautif beautiful cover. 
and but she writes as a poet and so it's just the most spare prose and I'm going to say this about it it's a piercing story of a girl who responds to trauma by mustering the most powerful weapon available to her her silence so basically she spends one year of her childhood not speaking and so you're getting a lot of basically childhood observation and she does a really good job of channeling that almost dreamlike state Mm. in this beautiful spare but poetic uh, prose and it's interesting because she's sort of like the spare version you know Knoskart is he's 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 verbose and she's just coming with this very spare prose really beautiful if you want to just sit in, on a wintry night and read it really in one sitting and sit with the words, then I would definitely recommend Kanaskard's, Linda Kanaskard's Welcome to America. Mm-hmm. All right, Andy, I know, I don't know if this is where you're headed right now, but I'm going to cue a little bit of the fact that, yes, we know that last week our beloved Barry Lopez passed, and so... We're going to spend a little time with Barry, and we're going to hand. I'm going to hand that over to Andy, actually. Yeah, we wouldn't do this show justice without uh, remembering Barry. You know, I've always considered myself to be first and foremost a naturalist, amateur naturalist, and there comes a group of authors that I've just grown up with. Uh, John McPhee, uh, Wendell Berry, Terry Tempest Williams, and Barry Lopez are all in that that list. And it just seems hard to believe that that one is gone. Uh, He died on Christmas Day of of cancer. Uh, Although he probably wish he had gone sooner his his home burned mm. this summer along the Mackenzie River in Finn River Oregon he lost his entire archives so his entire creative output was lost to us except for his published books and that just destroyed the man but there is i don't there're very few authors who have affected so many people in the way that, that Barry Lopez has and will. Um, he just published this masterful book, what, a year ago, Horizon, that if it doesn't win a Pulitzer or a national book or, or something, I, I just, the judges should be <laughs> thrown outside. Because everything that Barry writes is beautiful. I did a radio show last week you know, folk music, and I honored Barry by doing a short reading, and I was really struggling with finding the right passage. And my wife picked up Arctic Dreams, and she basically opened it and says, why don't you read this? And it was the perfect passage. Hmm. Yes. And that's exemplary of Barry's writing, is that every page you open up, it's the perfect passage. This is from Arctic Dreams. Mm. The movement of animals in the Arctic is especially compelling because the events are compressed into but a few short months. 
Migratory animals like the bowhead whale and the snow goose often arrive on the last breath of winter. They feed and rest, bear their young, and prepare for their southward journey in that window of light before freeze-up and the first fall snowstorms. They come north in staggering numbers, travel hundreds or even thousands of miles to be here during those few weeks when life swirls in the water and the tundra in, in the balmy air. Standing there on the ground, you can feel the land filling up, feel something physical rising in it under the influence of the light, an embrace or exaltation. Watching the animals come and go and feeling the land swell up to meet them and then feeling it grow still at their departure, I came to think of the migration as breath, as the land breathing. Hmm. In spring, a great inhalation of light and animals, the long baited breath of summer, and the exhalation that propelled them all south in the fall. Mm. Barry only came to Bacabion once, to the best of my knowledge, and it would have been probably in 2001 or no, probably even earlier than that, maybe 2000. And it was a Saturday afternoon, and it was poorly publicized. I didn't have any, I wasn't involved with the store then. It was poorly publicized, and he was set in a corner, and no one showed up. Wow. And I came in, and I was so thrilled to meet Mr. Lopez, and clearly he was unhappy <laughs> um, with the turnout. But I named the street I live on after one of his uh, short essays. That's how much uh, Mr. Lopez hmm. meant to me wow. and means to me. And if if any of you listening uh, want to pick up something beautiful, just pick up some Barry Lopez. Yes. Thank you. That was beautiful. Jesse, how are we going to segue? Is there something you'd like to tell us about that's going to pique our interest? Um, it, this is not the most graceful segue. <laughs> I have been reading. I know. Do you, uh, do you have anything better that would be a, a smoother segue? You know, want to talk about? Not really. Although, when have we talked about breath yet by James Nestor? I don't think. I don't I think, we have. think we have. Well, that would be a perfect segue. Well, he, you know, he was yeah. talking about his breath, and I was oh. thinking inhalations, exhalations. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, sure. and we can give a little nod to that. But I, I definitely want to move over there to you, Jesse. Uh, it's called "Breath" by James Nestor. Uh, we've actually had a lot of interest, a lot of people call, calling on it and getting excited about it. Uh, perfectly apropos for right now, as we are paying attention, close attention to our lungs and our breath and the, the ins and outs of that. Basically, it you, you could call it a, a full study. It's oh, not it's exhaustive. It's, it's an exhaustive study of uh, what he calls the pulmonots. Those who... <laughs> a great word. Who, yes, the pulmonots. <laughs> Those who have take an interest in breath, in our breath, in breathing. Something we take so much for granted. Yes. yes. And little tidbits that we learn along the way, everything from the great pulmonots of Eastern, um, you know, the Eastern, uh, the Taoists and the Buddhists, 
uh, from India as well, but also a lot of science. He does, you know, great science and some, he just sort of pulls together all the things he's learning about the way we breathe. Uh, and I thought one little anecdote, which is interesting, is uh, George Catlin. Catlin, yes. Famous photographer. Uh, not no. photographer, but artist. He, Famous he artist. He sketched uh, 18th century Native American and early 19th century Native Americans. Yes. He was also a very a chronic snorer. And I think he had some sleep apnea, things like that. So he was actually along the way doing his little side interest in um, how um, basically how different civilizations or different peoples breathe and come to find out it's a good idea to keep your mouth closed. (laughs) Breathe out of your nose. (laughs) That's what we learn. Right. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah, he brings in, in yeah. athletics, mm-hmm. and uh, you mentioned Catlin, and mm-hmm. he, he's just a multifaceted look at this, this yeah. idea of breath and and how it affects our health, yep. and how is how it has affected uh, how we look, how we our, act, the evolution, the of, evolution the of the jaw. Yeah. Uh huh. Yes, it's very fascinating. All right, Jesse, I want to give you another nod. What you got for us? Sure. So um, a library patron whose um, literary tastes align with mine a great deal recommended I read Shirley Hazard, and she let me know that she has a new collection of short stories has just come out. Um, A lot of you may know Shirley Hazard. She wrote uh, a lot in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Actually, Transit of Venus, um, Mm -hmm. I believe, was 1980. And then, oh, I'm blanking out on the one that came out in 2003. But um, I have started, never read her before. She is, um, she was published in the New Yorker a lot in the 50s. In fact, she... She sent them her first story, and they called her back immediately and said, what else do you have? And they <laughs> published almost, William Maxwell was the New Yorker editor then, and he published nearly everything that she sent him. Her writing is so shrewd and incisive and smart. I um, I have not read all of the stories here, just a handful of them so far, but... Um, really interesting. I I've actually printed out a New York Times review of the book because mm. they summed it up so well. This That's writer, um, one feels smarter and more more pulled together after reading Shirley Hazard. You drop into the stories as if you were a wet cell phone and it were a jar of uncooked rice. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, the first tranche of stories <clears throat> is from Cliffs of Fall. These are about condescending, pitilessly detached men and the trapped women who love them, and they're simply brutal. Uh, the middle section contains stories from people in glass houses. These are different collections. Um, the book is sometimes considered a novel, but reads plausibly as linked short fiction. It is about the soul-draining imbecilities of office life at an organization that resembles the United Nations, for mm-hmm. which she worked for many oh, years. Wow. She describes it as a young woman was hired, given a typewriter, and told to shut up. Uh, <laughs> anyway, and she just describes the foibles of of these uh, huge office organizations, just just merciless, just mercilessly flaying here they describe her as having a flaying wit which i think is really uh really perfect um 
So Transit of Venus won a National Books uh, Critics Circle Award. Oh, The Great Fire was the 2003 novel, and that one run, won a National Book Award. I haven't read either of those, but I most certainly will be. Um, here's another great line. She dispensed intelligence and irony as if each were fresh herbs in a reticula. She kept tied to the belt of her dress. <laughs> I think these are, this <laughs> is so well said. Um, here is, oh, here's a great line that she, that, that Shirley wrote about an Englishman visiting Tuscany. He had never experienced such a sky in England where heaven is a low-hung personal affair, thoroughly identified with the King James Version. A sky as this would not have been tolerated for a moment. It was a high pagan explosion of sky, promising indulgence for all kinds of offenses to which he had not the slightest inclination. He felt beneath it exposed and ridiculed. I will leave it at that. I am discovering the delights of Shirley Hazard. Oh my gosh, what a sharp wit. I'm really, really enjoying this writing. Love that. Thank you. Hey, Andy, is there anything else you've just got to give us a little plug for? Well, we a have piece just of poetry. A few. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. Let's I'm not a, a huge reader of, of the poets, mm -hmm. but a friend of mine just published a book. It's called Life List Poems, and that's, of course, an ornithological reference. This is Mark Bodine. Mark is the co-owner of Elk River Books in Livingston, Montana. His partner, Andrea Peacock, is the other owner. And some of you may know Andrea's partner, Doug, as uh, Hey Duke. Mm -hmm. So it all comes together. And <laughs> quickly, I want to read uh, the poem, No Comment. Somewhere south of Salt Lake and north of Jalisco, east of the Hollywood <laughs> sign and west of this Gila woodpecker, Digging a new home in the arm of a cactus, Doug and I sit at Abby's grave, passing a warm can of cerveza between the three of us. The bird doesn't mind the intrusion. Visitations here are rare and sometimes among the gifts of shells and stones and hand-carved effigies, something is left that's of use in lining a nest. I've brought a heart-shaped stone to which I've tied a small black feather. The woodpecker eyes the string as we finish our beers and say our goodbyes. At this point, the ornithologists are rising in protest because Gila woodpeckers don't line their nest with string or anything else, so the entire conceit of this poem falls apart, mm -hmm. to which I say, quoting the words carved into the rock marking his grave, no comment. Nice. <laughs> I love it. I think the Gila woodpecker is going to do what it wants. <laughs> if it drills into the, the cactus like it does, it has a strong will. Indeed. That was beautiful. Well, we're funny. We're coming to the end here. I would be remiss if I didn't tell everyone out there my favorite queer novel of the year. Um, beautiful novel full of um, just, it's just, perfectly queer if that if anyone you know however you want to define that it's it's gender fluid it's beautiful it's called virtuoso by yelena moscovich and i'm just going to give a little tiny tiny little blurb a hint of lynch a touch of ferrante the cruel absurdity of anton antonin arto arto the fierce candor of anais nin the stylish languor of a Lana Del Rey song. So wow. um, full of uh, interconnecting stories and beautiful, actually, love stories. 
uh, that, that take place between Prague, Boston, Wisconsin, and Paris. So hopefully that whets an appetite out there. Indeed. <laughs> All right. Thank you, my friends. This was a great other hour of the KZMU Radio Book Club. Thanks, Jesse. And thank you, Andy. You're welcome, and thank you, Sherry. Yeah, yes, thank you, and Sherry. we'll see you all next month. We are Radio Book Club first Monday of every month at 5 p.m., so we will see you all then. Good night, folks. <laughs>